helping disciple makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Etheridge. Well, welcome back to the Disciple First Podcast. My name is Craig Etheridge, and this is a podcast by disciple makers and for disciple makers. Thank you for your download. And be sure and go to iTunes and rate us, give us a good review. That helps us get our podcast out. Uh, to more and more people. Uh, Today, I'm really excited to uh, have on the podcast Glenn Underhill. Glenn is a graduate from Howard Payne University, Southwestern Seminary. Uh, He loves disciple-making and has really devoted his life to being a disciple-maker and leading disciple-making churches. He trains churches all across uh, the United States and overseas, was significant in a movement of disciple-making in Zambia that's still producing multiple disciple-makers, and he is also the executive director for Face-to-Face with God, a resource ministry dedicated to serving the church in making disciples and producing disciple-makers. He and his wife, Dawn, live in Woodstock, Georgia, where he is the disciple-making pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. So, uh, And Glenn is also a dear personal friend. We've known each other and served together for years. So, Glenn, man, it's good to hear your voice again. Yeah, Craig, great to hear yours. It's, uh, it's, I'm so excited to hang out with you a little bit and talk about disciple-making. Yeah, well, it, we've had... Uh, millions of conversations <laughs> about disciple make over the years and and you and I really kind of cut our teeth together on this didn't we we did man in so many different ways you know i started out in student ministry and and you were the senior pastor and then we uh we transitioned in, into another environment church environment together and really worked at trying to re realign and shift towards disciple making there so i mean we've we have covered the gamut over multiple years together. Yes, we have. And, uh, man, I'm so excited about what you're doing right now at Fellowship Bible Church. And uh, you, they really have brought you in to, uh, once again, transition a church to become a disciple-making church. And you've done that now at least in, well, I don't know, how many, two or three, four churches now. Uh, yeah, three, you've been this a, is my third church. Yeah, so you've been transitioning. This is now your third time at it. Um, so let's talk about that because a lot of the guys listening here are they're they're lead pastors or they're disciple making pastors. Maybe they're youth pastors, and they're like, you know what? I I I I've agreed that we should be a disciple making church, and but I don't know how to transition this existing organization to be disciple-making uh, a, a organization or, or a disciple-making church. So um, let me just start off with this question. We'll just kind of free flow this because you're kind of in the middle of it right now. How do you, when you, like, when you first assess a church, how do you determine whether it's a disciple-making church or not? Yeah, you know, really, that's a, that, that really is a fundamentally important question to ask. And I think a lot of it is determined by, um, you know, one of the things I was looking for here um, was uh, their their conversion growth. Were were they experiencing conversion growth, or are they are they seeing some progress in that area, or are they actually kind of just been just stale and stagnant and not seeing people one and baptized and assimilated into the body? Uh, that that that's a 
a, a huge criteria. Another criteria is the percentage of people moving into group life. Uh, and then, uh, you know, is there a, a growing percentage of, of people that are being moved into uh, relational environments where they can connect with others and connect with God? And then ultimately, I think, uh, you know, what what is it that, that you know, are, are you seeing traction? Are you seeing people uh, engaged in uh, the lives of people around them where they live, learn, work, and play? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, that really has been kind of my gauge here as I've been just kind of bouncing from, you know, as I was at every place I've been, those are just some places I'm pressing into and trying to figure out what's going on. Is there a lot of activity? Uh, and, and because I love what someone once told me, you know, that activity is not a substitute for productivity. Mm-hmm. And wow. so I'm constantly trying to monitor and look at, um, because every, each place I've come into has been full of activities, but the productivity from that activity is really not amounted to, to really much of what the product should be. Right. So you're going in and you're looking at these kind of general metrics are the people coming to Christ are they getting into the church are they plugging in in groups are they then investing are there is there life on life investment investment right and and, and if those things aren't firing then you know um, yeah, ultimately I haven't got it yeah and, and and really you know so I come in with a mindset of what the end I have what the end looks like in mind and and then I'm trying to assess uh at, at just at a real level, it, it, is that in product really being produced? And if not, what are some of the areas in those in those distinct areas? Life on life, group, and and really in the area of winning the lost. If if any of those have deficiencies, it's a pretty good um, a pretty good indicator that that there is probably not disciple making as a whole happening. Okay. So let's say I'm pastor at XYZ church and I, I'm, I'm just getting my feet wet. I'm kind of the new guy on the block and I start assessing, uh, these three areas and I realize, man, we got some work to do. (laughs) We're not, none of those things are really happening. So what do I tackle first? Yeah. And that's a, that's a great, another great question. I think for me, and this again, just as a, at a personal level, um, I I always try to start on the back end, on the life to life, um, because ultimately, in 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 my assessment, that life on life, doing life with someone else to help them uh, have to catch a vision for spiritually reproducing their life, winning the loss, building believers, and equipping workers to multiply into, into ministry, uh, I want to create that environment right away. And so I, I spend probably, uh, you know, my first four months here, Craig, I spent just, uh, just tons of time connecting with people, uh, connecting with shareholders, asking questions, watching and asking God to point out a, a group of men and over the course of the, those last few months, God really began to, through conversations and through just connecting and, and opportunities to raise up some guys, 
uh, for me uh, and then just started to pour into them uh, what I what what I think the end product ought to look like and so we've been working on that journey and then in addition to that I'm also discipling several guys on our staff team uh, because I want to help raise them up to re be the to be the end product themselves so that's where I always start I always start with the back end and then work myself through the other direction and that's a little counter that's a little counterintuitive right because a lot of people think well you just start at the front right you win some people and then you try to get them and get the groups going and then you start discipling but you actually go the other way around I start with the other direction. I, and, and part of that is just because of my philosophy that, that as you look at the life of Jesus, you know, he, he spent so many, so much time. In fact, 46 times we're told in the Gospels, he spends time with the few. And so my, my understanding is that you make the most amount of impact with a few. And so if I can raise up a multiple generations of guys and gals who are impacting a few uh, as that begins to kind of boil up it it will um, ultimately uh, begin to impact other areas that you're working towards in that down the line because those disciple makers then start planning themselves into healthy groups and getting themselves involved and they get involved in you know, the lives of people who are, who are far from God. And it, it just starts to naturally boil up to the, up to the top. Yeah. So it, really you're kind of going under the radar. You're just assessing, you're building relationships, you're peeling off a few to start investing in. Uh, I think yep. a lot of pastors, Glenn, will make the mistake of, man, first thing I got to do is I got to preach on this new thing we're going to do. Right. Isn't that right? Why is that yep. a mistake? Well, I think it's a mistake because um, you're asking people to do something that you're not you're not doing, uh, and and that's always a, dan- a danger uh, that we can tell people what we expect, but we don't um, we don't help them to see what that looks like. And so, I, I think that it has to be kind of. I, I do think teaching and talking about it, which we do a lot here. I, you know, we're we train our staff once a month in the area of disciple making, and we're challenging them and looking at what that looks like and studying the life of Christ together. But uh, I, I feel like I have to model the destination. And, uh, and so if I'm going to teach on it and preach on it and talk about it, I've, I've got to be modeling it at, at the highest level. Yeah, so that's really good. You're leading by example, so they see in you you know, what you're trying to get at, what you're, what you right. want out of them. That's okay. Right. So I, I met this church, I make some assessments, I build some relationships and I decide, okay, I'm going to start with a few. You said you started with a staff, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that right. is, if you, if there's a multi-staff, uh, if you're in a multi-staff church, that would be a good place to start. Or I guess also some uh, high valued volunteers or high capacity mm-hmm. volunteers might be a good place. Yep. Yeah. And I, I would say, and so you know, I, I would encourage, depending on, you know, where you are in terms of uh, because of the position I serve in, I, I oversee a, you know, a large staffing of people. And so some of my direct reports, I'm asking them to come into a relationship with me to do life on life. Uh, and those are the guys that I'm investing my life into right now and pouring my time and my energy into um, to really help 
create and cast a vision for you know, being a disciple and making disciples where they live, learn, work, and play. And then what I did was I began to even look at some of the the key stakeholders in our what we use here called Sunday communities and started to begin to build relationships with a few of those guys. And some of them are the ones that are in my my other group. So I have I'm running two groups right now. So I'm running pretty at a pretty high pace. But um I, that that was where I started with my second group is so that uh, as we were injecting that into into some of those guys lives, then when I get finished with them, you know, the immediate place to help them start learning to fish is in their areas and pockets of influence where they're where they can help develop and, and cultivate healthy relationships amongst those fishing ponds where they're where they're doing ministry of influence at. Yeah. And so when you identify these people, um, how do you know what to do with them? Or what does that look like when you meet with them? Kind of take us into that environment. What What are you doing with them, and, and what does that look like? Yeah, so, you know, there there really are three things that I want to try to cultivate in that group, and that's what I call mutual accountability, um, I, and what I also would call uh, transparent relationships, and, and and then accountability, and those three things really help to establish a beachhead, because really it, it's not so much, hey, you you do what I do in the sense of it uh, top down. It's really, hey, this group of four or five of us, we're working together to ultimately become what what Jesus intends for us to be, and that's, you know, to really uh, live out the character and the conduct of Jesus for a lifetime. And so um, we become a, a shared community where that that begins to really boil up. And so I, I do have a tool. We use a tool here. I think the tools are very important uh, because I think it, it makes it much more transferable. I'm able to, as God's using his, uh, his, his word and the spirit of God and the people of God uh, in my life, that then becomes very transferable for someone to pass on to somebody else. And, I, and that's some of the difficulty when, when you don't have a tool is that then it becomes less likely for me to transfer that on to somebody else. Right. So when just for clarity, when you talk about using a tool, you're talking about some type of curriculum or some type of resource right. that you're walking exactly. them through and then they can reproduce that. Right. That's correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I just think that that curriculum play plays a big part. Now, it's not it's not the end, but it is a means to the end. Right. And and there is some debate, as you know, Glenn, of some people that you know they're either kind of anti tool. And then there's some that's like over, you know, it's all about the tool. Uh, So, you know, what you're saying is it's important to have one, but it's not the end all. Right. uh, Yeah, I think there's always, yeah, healthy tension. It creates a healthy tension. Now, how do you go about choosing one? If if somebody is wanting to invest in their staff, their key leaders, how would they go about choosing the right one? Yeah, I I think that, uh, you know, that there's so many amazing tools out there, curriculum that's out there. Uh, but I, you know, I think you got to discern 
a little bit about your culture and you know, a little bit about what uh, you know what your your people are like um, you know I, but I you know just a few suggestions I know that uh, a really great tool one-on-one with God uh, is a is a great tool to help uh, start that disciple making relationship um, anything that the you know a lot of uh, the two seven stuff with navigators uh, the discipleship essentials with Greg Ogden. Um, you know, I, I, I just encourage guys find a tool that you feel really comfortable with that you feel like fits who you are. And it's something that you can begin practicing in your life and it's working in you and through you. And then you're able to then pass that on to the person, you know, that's, in relationship with you and then they'll in turn pass that on and then they'll pass the other, they'll pass it on to someone else and so on and so forth. How important is it Glenn to stay with that tool or can you change it as you go along? Yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, as I, I've looked at real successful organizations across the years, you know, campus crusade navigators, you know, intervarsity, you know, a lot of these organizations, the one thing they do really well is they've, kind of honed in on what they really like and what, and they just work that plan. And there's not anything to say that you, you can't uh, utilize Mm -hmm. other tools. Uh, However, I think that, um, you know, the thing that you have to, uh, you know, I always encourage guys is to say, Hey, find one tool that works really well. You know, it doesn't mean that it's the only tool, but a, a tool that you really like and, and just stay with it. Because over time, what that also does is it starts to create a common culture and a common language that people begin to hear frequently as you talk about it. You know, I know like at First Colleyville, I know they use a very particular tool and a lot of what you teach on and a lot of what you talk about comes out of what you were learning and continue to learn right. as you take other guys through that tool. Yeah. And I just think that's really healthy. Yeah. You know, in my experience, if you bounce around and you do this one year and then something else the next year, then nobody really knows what they're supposed to reproduce or people right. keep reproducing different things and you don't have kind of this unity of generation after generation passing this thing down. So yeah, I agree. I think it's really important to keep, keep the tool the same as, as much as you can, not that you can't ever change, but Um, but it's important to be for consistency, uh, yep. Yep. Now, when do, when do you, when do you find time to meet with guys? Cause you're a busy guy. I mean, you, you've got lots of staff to oversee You're you're preaching, you've got, uh, lots of responsibilities. So you, you, you're doing this on top of all that. How do you, how do you find time to do that? Yeah. So I, uh, first thing I did when I got here, was I told my admin, mark off Monday nights and don't put anything on my, ever put anything on Monday night or Tuesday mornings on my calendar. And, um, and I just marked off the time just like I would for any appointment and, and, and really put the space in there. So, and I built that space in there so that uh, I, I could make sure that I can, always make it a top priority on my calendar. And I think it's like any leadership guru will tell you that you got to really work your big rocks into your schedule. And so, you know, investing my life in a few is a big rock. And so I'm going to give it prime time on my calendar and I'm going to block it off. Yeah. 
Yeah. What What do you th- think, Glenn? As you're as you're into this now, this is your third church. You're transitioning. Which, by the way, I just want to tell our listeners that you have transitioned successfully to other churches in many different capacities. So this isn't something you're just trying to figure out. I mean, you you've done this. You you kind of know what to expect. What What are some of the roadblocks or obstacles that maybe a pastor or leader is going to face? When he says, man, I want to press in and, and really start to transition from the inside out by investing my life with people. Yeah, I, you know, I think that sometimes uh, some of those barriers are, um, you know, just a sense of um, people are going to be a little bit apprehensive as to why you're you're scheduling out time to invest in people. You know, and there's sometimes can be a sense of, hey, are you favoring a certain group of people? Um, but you know, my response to that has always been that Jesus very much selected a f- and handpicked a few guys, not because he was, it was about favoritism, but it was about, they exhibited several qualities that he wanted, that he saw in them that he was going to then capitalize mm-hmm. on in order to help move the ball down the court. Uh, I think another barrier you face is, just the demands of your time. And that's why I think that you've got to set it aside and you've got to just, you cannot let anything interrupt it and get on your calendar out that, and you just got to, you've got to consciously block it out. Um, because it's real easy in our schedules as pastors and the things that we've got going on to find ourselves, you know, um, letting that slip because it's, Oh, I've got this and it came up out of here and I got to, Man, if I just block it out like I would a normal appointment, then I won't let anything else get in the way of that. Yeah, man, those are great, great words. And uh, from a guy that is in the trenches and has done it successfully so many, many times. Thank you, Glenn, for sharing that with us. And and I know that you, you would uh, support what I'm about to say. Flashpoint Conference is the place where you go uh, to hear about how to do this kind of stuff. Right, Glenn? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I couldn't recommend more highly Flashpoint Conference because it's there. I think you're going to catch a vision for this whole idea. The sustainability of anything always comes with the why. You've got to be able to answer the why and you've got to be sold out to the why. Mm -hmm. And then I think what also the, the amazing thing about Flashpoint is that it also then provides you with a series of best practices, guys that are are hot-hearted about it, but maybe are uh, doing it just a little bit differently in the way they're implementing it. But it gives you a, a broad base of guys and 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 some of the the the, the tools and the, the things that they're utilizing to implement the why, so the how. And uh, I can't. I mean, the Flashpoint does a great job of that. And, and then it resources you. I mean, the resources available at the Flashpoint conference to be able to hands-on. You've got people there from all different organizations who the resources, the tools, I mean, it's just a home run all the way around. I can't recommend it more than, uh, than, than what I'm just, you know, right here. Cause it's just, it, it really is a great conference. Well, folks, uh, why don't you find out more about flashpoint conference? You can go to flashpointconference.com all together flashpointconference.com. What you'll find out is where Flashpoint will be. We're going to be in Dallas in February uh, 12th and 13th of 2016, Atlanta 
in uh, April 15th and 16th at, at Glenn's Place there in a Fellowship Bible Church, and then also in Houston on April 29 and 30, and then in Zambia. So, uh, folks, this is the one-stop shop to find practitioners, look at models, find resources, get inspiration, uh, learn skills and technique to transition your church to be a disciple-making church, and we hope to see you there. Thanks, Glenn, so much for being here, and God bless you on your work. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. For more information on events and content, visit DiscipleFirst.com.